The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, The Matt Vernier Show, Redboard Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. And joining me, as always, is the wonderfully talented Michelle Yu. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Billy. I'm glad that you got the name of the show right this week. Yeah, it was bad last week. That was terrible. I heard a little giggle <laughs> from our guest. That's hangover, though. I love that our guest is already giggling. Um, <laughs> Michelle got a great guest today. His name is Greg Colvin, and I've known Greg probably since he was born. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, oh, yeah. You're going to hear all about that. So, Greg, Greg Colvin. Greg, Greg we're going to talk all about uh, your history and horse racing and your new gig at Santa Anita. But first of all, thank you for coming on the show today. My pleasure. I'm uh, I'm really excited to be here. Wait, wait, wait. Do you did you know I did the show with Billy when I asked you to do it? You you, you mentioned it, yeah. But I I figured you that you knew that Billy and I have a have a long history. No, oh, Michelle. Wait a second. I did Greg not Colvin. Know you guys knew each other at all. My first soccer coach. Way back in the day when I was probably, I don't know, Greg, how old was I, 10? Uh, you're probably like eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. Something was, like was that. was Dick Colvin, who was one of the best coaches I've ever had and and, and still remains uh, a, a great guy uh, who I see at the track all the time. And I always give him a big hug. He's one of my favorite people. And I was <laughs> now Greg has an older brother named Jeff, who he and I played soccer together, like probably three or four years in a row, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something right now, which um, is a little bit embarrassing. But um, yeah, I kind of admired Billy from afar because he was oh, really good. Oh, don't tell him that. Oh yeah, no, no, no. we're gonna talk uh, about this. Oh yeah, Billy. Billy was great. You know, um, well, inspired my auspicious he, soccer career. <laughs> well, tell just tell Michelle and tell our audience that I actually was a good athlete when I was between the ages of eight and twelve, right? Uh, Billy was. You know, God, I don't. I didn't come here to compliment you, but Billy was an exceptionally good athlete. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And wait, hold on, Michelle. This is going to shock you even more. And like a good person, like a nice person. Like well, I, we like you were probably running whoa, around whoa, like. Whoa. A, come on, no, no, no. Billy, Billy was great. I, I, I thought Billy was super cool. He was like, you know, a few years older than me, good soccer player. Right. You know, I think he had. Athletes. I had asthma, but he was like, you know, that's yep. not going to stop me. I'm yeah. out there killing That's me. what I'm talking about. And I was cute. Yeah. The ladies kind of liked me back then, Michelle. Oh, Billy, you know you're still cute. Don't be oh, ridiculous. Come on. The now ladies I'm, still love you. You I'm, look like Bradley Cooper. Now I'm blushing. Stop it. Stop it. We're not here to talk about me, although that was the uh, greatest first three minutes of a show I think we've ever had, Michelle. <laughs> yeah everybody's like what am i listening to here hey all right greg colvin let's talk about you let's talk about horse racing let's talk about horse racing ownership because you've been in this game probably since you were born tell us a little bit about going to the track as a kid learning the game especially with your dad and and some of your early experiences yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people say that horse racing gets in your blood, and, and that's definitely the case for me. My first memory ever, this is actually a true story, um, my first memory was at Del Mar in, gosh, it must have been like the late 70s. I was three and a half years old, and um, I was in my dad's arm. We had a horse named Crazy Shannon who won the Balboa Stakes. And that is literally the first memory I have. Um, and I have it from, I have the picture still hanging in my house. And I remember my dad holding me in the winter's circle. Um, and so I was hooked ever since then. That's crazy. That is so cool. Yeah. I have the chills. I, I think mean, that... you're the first person that has said that though, that, that that's their first memory. And what an impression too. Yeah. I remember crazy Shannon and I remember, um, I, I, I think that was, that had to be in like 78, 77. 79? Something like that. Yeah. Because Crazy yeah, Shannon used to run against Telly's Pop. Telly's Pop, who was, yes, I was going to say it, who was also a monster. Yeah, he was really a good horse. Yeah, he was a monster. But Crazy Shannon was very cool. So that's, I mean, you're at the track, you're, you're in your dad's arms. And then, and then how does it go? How do you go from 1970, let's call it 78, 77, 78, to all of a sudden, now you're an executive at Santa Anita. Like, where, where does the process give us that? Give us the timeline of the Greg Colvin experience. Oh wow! Um, I don't want to bore everybody with the the timeline of my no, life. No, that's that's um, why you're here. It's not. That's boring. literally why you're on the show. <laughs> well, I, I like I said, I've I've loved horse racing my whole life. I uh, it's actually the only reason I did well in school um, was because I, I used to make a deal with my parents that I could miss. A class or a final exam, um, as long as my grades were good enough to support a zero on that exam. So, <laughs> so I kept That's incredible genius. grades so that I could miss school at any time and go to the races. And yeah, I, I was hooked from a young age, always loved it, and um, always knew that I would own horses. But honestly, never in my career did I think that I would be working in racing. So um, I feel particularly blessed. But yeah, my, my my career trajectory was um, was very different. I, you know, I'm a lawyer by training and education. I worked at Fox for a lot of years. I ran their digital properties. I ended up I was the COO of a company called Universal McCann, which is um, you guys may know McCann Erickson is one of the largest media agencies in the world. Sure. And uh, recently started up and and uh, you know had been talking to folks at the track. I'd been talking to them for a while, um, kind of trying to bring some um, innovation acumen and and um, some deal acumen and, and some of my experience with brands and, uh, and things things worked out. Well, interesting. In, uh, Michelle, let me just say one thing before you jump in. I know you want to jump in. We have Greg Colvin here on the uh, owner's box with us today. Um, interesting that you say that because, like me, you grew up in the game. You've been around Santa Anita, Hollywood Park, Del Mar since the late 70s. And truthfully, there hasn't been... A, a lot of innovation. And I mean, we saw a hint of that at the Breeders' yeah. Cup with the uh, in and out of the pools. What, tell us a little bit about what you've seen over the years uh, as far as growth uh, goes in, in, the, in the world of technology and innovation. Um, as it relates to racing or just in general? I, I think, think in racing. There's, okay. I mean, look, I think racing... There have been some innovations, um, obviously, simulcast was a big one in the 80s. Um, there have been ra racing innovations with jockey cam and drones and some of the production. But I, I feel like we're really just scratching the surface. I think as, a, as an industry and a sport, we have this incredible product that we've leaned on for a lot of years. But we have this incredible opportunity to take advantage of some of the technologies that 
um, were maybe nascent four or five years ago, um, but are now really coming um, coming to the forefront. So yeah, I spent my career really on the digital side doing innovation, you know, both at Fox and, and a number of companies. So I'm really just hopeful that for the first time we can bring a real cutting edge um, production style to, to racing, real cutting edge wagering solutions, just everything. I think really reinventing the way that we experience it because we have the most incredible, most exciting sport in the world. And I want to make sure that um, that our fans and, and people who aren't familiar with the business start to appreciate that. Well, and Greg, you said that you always knew you wanted to be an owner. So how did you go from uh, in your father's arms in the winner's circle to actually being an owner? What had you take that big step and what was the first way you got into ownership? Did you buy a baby? Did you breed one? Did you claim something? Yeah, this is the, okay. So I, ha- I have two stories because there was kind of a gap, but I, I, I had a partial ownership of one of my dad's horses in the, um, in um, the early, no, sorry, the late nineties. Um, and that was a, a wager my dad made. Uh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, stop. What was the wager? Like, yeah, what was yeah. the wager? <laughs> Again, it had to do with school. I was a really good student, but my dad, mm-hmm. for some reason, refused to acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> we made a bet um, on grades in college, and uh, I won, and I got my pick of two horses. Um, and so that was my first experience, which was pretty pretty fantastic. But really, um, years later, uh, I, I'd been wanting to do this for a long time, and um, I decided... I love the breeding side. I love, obviously, I love being around horses. I love the horses. And and I think one of the exciting parts about the business is that there's so many elements. It's not just wagering. It's not just the competition. It's not just the horses. There's the genetics and the breeding and the hereditary and all these elements. So I bought a broodmare, um, a candy ride broodmare, and I, uh, I, I bred her. I got a couple friends and my brother, my brother Jeff involved. Um, and then one of my oldest friends in the world and I said, all right, we're going to do this. And, um, sort of took a, took a, I wouldn't say a page from little red feather, but I got a couple of my friends and, and, uh, and we put something together. Interesting. So, How did you acquire the broodmare? Like what was the, cause people yeah. like to, you know, we're on this kind of to educate people, Greg. So tell us a little bit about that yeah. process. So I knew I wanted a broodmare, um, and I talked to a lot of people. Obviously, I guess my advantage is, number one, I know owners, and I know some trainers. Um, so I was looking around for a broodmare, um, and I saw a lot of them. The one I ended up buying actually was one that my dad and his partner, Bill Gould, had owned, who was in Kentucky at the time. Um, and I knew her. I obviously knew the family, and the family had produced a lot of winners. Uh, so that was sort of ultimately – was an easy decision because I found something that was cost effective. Um, sure. She was unproven. First, she had not had any foals yet, but had a nice family. Um, and so we kind of took a chance there and said, well, maybe we can pick the right, the right sires to breed to and see how we do. Well, how, Greg, that's but, a very yeah. interesting go ahead, way Michelle. to go, though, for your, for your first horse, right, is to breed something. Most people are like, let's claim something that we can run back in 30 days. Yeah. How do you talk? How do you talk? people into like not only jumping into race a horse ownership but also by the way it's going to be like three years before the horse hits the track right. yes right if we get something um <laughs> I, I you know what I'm, I'm a really transparently blunt person and i said that to my to the people i got involved i said look it's, it's not going to be cheap it's going to be costly 
let's first of all, let's only do this if you know you can lose the money. Yeah, like let's just start with that premise that this is fun and we're gonna have a great time. Um, but this is this is what we're looking at. We're looking at a period where we got to pick a sire, and then 11 months later, you know, after after she falls, hopefully we'll have we'll have a baby, and then there's you know a year where the horse is on the farm, and then we'll break. And we, I talked them through every bit of the process. But what was great is we learned so much. And even though I'd been around the track and been around the backside, I didn't know all the processes, and I didn't know you know, that they fall at night or uh, in the morning and, and all these like little things. I didn't really understand the machinations of how everything works. So it was the greatest learning experience. By the time we got to running, I felt like I really understood something more about the horses, something more about the way um, the entire process happens and the patience required. I, I feel like right now we're breeding our first mare right now. I already don't know, like, okay, so once I have a baby on the ground and it's going to be two years before it does anything, do I breed the mare back? I know everyone that's in, like, the breeding business does, but, like, do I want to get into that? Did you opt to go that direction? Or did you say, okay, we have the mare, we have a full, let's wait? Or did you breed her right back to have another one? We, we bred her right back, and then we gave, then we gave her a year. Um, you know, I thought we might have a pretty decent breed mare, so um, I was trying to find uh, good horses to breed to. I think my best skill in terms of racing and, and, um, horse racing in general is that I've always tried to pick a good sire before that sire pops. And so the second foal we had was by this, um, really unknown, not very fashionable at the time, uh, sire named, um, oh yeah, it was in the mischief, which I paid. <laughs> yeah, he's good. I think I know, he no, I never heard of him. Dollars. Yeah, never heard of him. You right. guys are like twins, um, you and Billy. <laughs> yeah, I did say that last yeah, week. Sarcasm. Yeah. So, so we bred, yeah, we bred right back. Um, and and you we, can bred right back to future champion sire. Yes. Okay. Yes, although I may have had the only mischief who couldn't run. <laughs> no, no, no. I had one too. Believe me, it's you and me that uh, we no, are we a lot alike. Oh, we're the three we of had us. One that couldn't break its maiden for maiden thirty. Yeah. That what is yeah, wrong with us? Okay, so you bred the you breed the horse, you have the horse. This is still a while yeah. back. Give us the whole story of the the you know going to the track. Did you set up silks? Did you name it? Did you name your partnership? What what happened? You're a branding. Yeah, guy. you don't run under your name, right? Yeah, um, I don't run under my name. We okay. So all of that was fun, and we had this is where I think everyone, you know, I've had horses on my own. I've had it with friends. And I'd always do it with friends. It's just so much more exciting. It's so much more fun to have that shared experience. Certainly, the cost being shared is a great thing. But the shared experience I have with my buddies and my brother and our family, that I wouldn't trade for anything. And so we sat around watching UCLA basketball games, drawing out what our silks would be, coming up with stupid names, most of them which I can't repeat <laughs> on a podcast. Um, <laughs> And the amount of texts and emails that went by conversations, just naming what we thought the stable would be was one thing. And then designing the silks was another, which to me was, about, um, again, one of the most fun things I've ever done. To picking the names, <laughs> which um, we had. Which you still months. haven't told us that I'm dying right now. Yeah, what was the name? Oh, the, of the stable? I couldn't go with the one I wanted because I'd probably be banned. Um, both you canceled. Track and maybe canceled. 
Yes, SBC. So we went with Colbart because that's a combination of my last name and my best friend's last name. So okay, uh, it was Colvin and Bartman. And, and what'd you name and the horse? The first one. So it was candy. It was a candy ride. So we named him Big Hunk, <laughs> which I thought was really cute. Michelle just and snorted. Did you just snort? Yeah. That was awesome. Big Hunk. Did you, well, Michelle and I like to talk about like Trevor Denman, who I'm sure you grew up with, obviously. Um, So did you give, did you give the call like, they turned for home, his big hunk. Did you like do that first? There's no way, there's absolutely no way I'm doing that. (laughs) (laughs) My South African accent is horrible and no, but I liked your call. It was fantastic. Um, I would say something like. He sprouted wings or something yes. like that, but I can't. Wait, he yeah, broke his maiden in his second career start. He did, yeah. He wasn't much, but he, you know, hard trying little horse and um, broke his maiden in his second start and won for fun. Yeah. What was that like? What was and that day I, like? Uh, I mean, you you talk about we talk about was, experiences all the time. Tell us, take us through. I mean, winning your very first race as an owner with Colbert with and with bread. Big Hunk with a homebred. Um. It was amazing because, you, you know, you basically, like you said, you waited, three, we waited three years. And then to have that happen in his second start was unbelievable. Um, I was, it was a high. I've always said, even when my, just, you know, the pieces I've had of my dad's horses, um, none of it has been as exciting as, as owning it on your own. But even when back in the day, even the horses that just my family had, I, I, I always tell people there is no bigger high than winning a race. It's uh, it's one of the most amazing experiences ever. That day was unbelievable. Um, I, I think I ran down. I may have left my mom and my girlfriend <laughs> upstairs. Um, That's awesome. You're like, bye. I, I just sprinted. I sprinted. Um, and I'll know, the thing I really, I remember everything vividly about the day. I have the pictures, obviously. Um, there was an, an objection by a rider. Um, it was, it was, I don't know where it even came from. It was not even close. Um, but the, the seething anger I had for five minutes, well, we had to, you know, <laughs> wait for that um, result. Yeah, it was great. And then, you know, it was awesome as I was driving my, my, I was driving home and it was me in the car, my parents, um, and my dad's racing partner in racing called me who I'd bought the broodmare for from. And, could not have been like more excited for us and it was just it was this great like multi-generational experience because you had my dad who's owned horses since the mid to early 60s um his partner who also had owned horses since the 60s and the families are friends and then i was there and my brother and his kid my nephew and my nieces so it was it was a really uh it was a special day that's amazing greg colvin joining us here on the owner's box um you know, you say that multi-generational and it is, it is funny. We've had people on the show and they talk about it all the time. My grandpa got me in, my dad got me in, but what is happening today, Greg? What can you, you know, and we'll go back to the technology in a second and, and the branding and all that kind of stuff, but what is happening today? How, how do we get uh, the youth back into our game? Wow. That's, that is a great question. Um, and it's one I think about, I'm sitting in my office right now and I have a big whiteboard. I think, um, are you sure you got the whiteboard now? What's that? Are you sure you got the whiteboard now? 
What? Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, was he looking for the whiteboard earlier? What did I miss? We, we had a we had a big meeting when he first came to work for us, and we all came into the office. And he's like, "Well, I ordered a whiteboard so we could do this like whole brainstorming <laughs> thing, but there was no whiteboard." All right. Well, he's got the whiteboard now. I got it. Yeah. I, I, there are so many elements to it. I think you know um, what 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 we can say for certain is that horse racing has legs. No pun intended. Um, and it's really, there's so many elements to getting this out there. It's really, one is getting the message out there and getting mm-hmm. the message out there to different audiences. Really, the other thing and the big thing is speaking to audiences in the languages that you speak. And I know I sound like the guy from McCann, but I think really tailoring content to the right type of audience in the way that they expect it is important. And that means, you know, whether that means being on social or in other formats, great, but also reinventing in a way um, the experience of watching a race. Like I think introductions like jockey cam and drones are really interesting and provide a younger generation, you know, who are maybe just exploring and experiencing the sport, a new opportunity to, um, to interact with horses, to interact with racing in a different way. I mean, I, I talked about this idea of like toggling between, you know, different views from, from, from the different jockeys or, or any other sort of really cool way to experience a race. Um, and it's, I think we're only limited by our imagination or creativity and, and the will to get this done. And I know, you know, this is the plug for first, but this is why I came here is I know that there's such an appetite in this company to, um, to really be reinvigorating the sport and taking the technical innovations we have, the innovations we have around data, NFTs, um, the way we produce content, the way we distribute content, and the way um, we tell stories, whether it's more interactive or, or even in different languages. I think all of that, when I think about the universe of content, if we can just invest time, energy, and creativity um, in those areas, we're going to naturally get the audiences because we have support and we have a, a product that's really freaking awesome. It's exciting. It has so many elements to it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, just the data alone is, all my nerdy finance friends sit around reading the racing for for hours. And that's one segment that we can serve better. And then there's the young people who are looking for, you know, game first and mobile first. And if we can present the sport in a way that um, appeals to the visual formats that they're used to, we're going to win those people back over. I think it's great ideas. Michelle. Greg. So when you, how, how do you reel in or, use being an owner and like knowing what owners want into like your job i mean that that has to be a help and a hurt right because you have to understand how driven in tradition a lot of ownership groups are and alphabet groups are well i it's funny you say that i think it's only i think it's a help and i'm a really flexible malleable person and i i know that there are horse racing fans um who are steeped in tradition. So I kind of, again, I'm looking at my whiteboard right now and I have three target audiences and I, I say it's Dick Colvin, Greg Colvin, and Max Colvin. Max is my 14 year old nephew. Right. And no matter what I do, Billy knows this. My dad's going to be the typical racing guy. who's like, I don't need to change. Right. <laughs> right? I don't, don't know. Do I don't need formulator. <laughs> I don't need the sheets. Exactly. Right. Until you do. And until it becomes um, the standard. And so I know we're going to always have the people who want to be served what, we, what we've consistently um, served them. 
and as a racing fan and a racing owner and somebody who's been around, um, I recognize that. But, you know, then there's the, the people like Staley and myself and you, Michelle, where we're like, all right, we love the tradition and we don't want to lose the fabric of that tradition, but can we experiment in ways that doesn't alienate our traditional audiences? Um, and I think there's tons of ways that we can do that, whether it's even setting up different, if we're talking digitally, different toggles between views. Maybe there's a view for my dad and there's a view for me. And then there's a view for my nephew who wants things totally differently. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really responding to the audiences and really if, if we can, you know, as a host owner, if I can understand how steeped we are in these incredible traditions, but as a business person, step back and say, all right, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what my audience and the consumers and the horsemen and the fans think. And if we can just find ways to serve each one of those constituents, I think we'll be okay. Well, I hope so, Greg Colvin, with some really uh, thought-provoking ideas here, Michelle. Um, Greg, mm-hmm. you talked about messaging and we're here in California. We know some of the issues that we've had over the years. You've stepped into, uh, I don't even want to talk about it, what, what Santa Anita has gone through, what, what, what PETA has gone through. How do, we, how do we message? That's another kind of audience out there, basically the people who yeah. don't like what we're doing. How do, we, how do we bring them over to show them the backstretch and, and how these horses are taken care of and how much care and and is, love they're given you know how do, how do we show that and and try to you know look some of those people we're never going to change them but maybe we can send that message well it's you know it's a great it's, it's a that's a fantastic question and i kind of look at it in two ways there's a one-to-many and a one-to-one approach and the one-to-one approach i do this every day um i had a woman i met the other day at a birthday party who told me that oh i'll never support horse racing i i it's this, that, and the other. And I said, well, explain to me. I said, I'm not being combative. Really explain to me what bothers you. And I said, and then what I want to do is explain to you what it's like. You know, I, when I go in the morning, every morning, there are 18 hands that are touching my horse, right? It's grooms and trainers and vets and everybody to make sure that the horse is taken care of. And, you know, I mean, you guys know this. People live here. We, they dedicate their lives to these animals. They're, when you go to the backside, you understand how much love, concern, compassion, care, um, and connection there is. You, you can't help but be won over by that. And so I brought her out. Um, you know, I used some influence. I put her in a suite. <laughs> and then we went to the backside. But we went to the backside, and it was really eye-opening. And I said, you can, if you can't sense the amount of love and compassion that we all have for these animals, and then you're blind. And she said, I get it. I, I understand. And That's I realized, great. you know, how much, how much they want to do this too. You right. know, they're bred to run, love to run. They, you know, they, they get out there and that's what makes them happy. And I think that's the one-to-one connection on, on a one-to-many. I think it's just getting these stories out there. You know, we did a segment or um, Michelle did this incredible segment called Bits and Bridal. And it's these short explanations of um, things that go on, things you need to know on the backside. And I think more videos like that, where we actually show our people interacting with the horses, showing what you're saying on the backside and, and broadcasting that through all the different media types that we have in media formats. I think, you know, it's, we don't have anything to hide. So I think the more that we can um, show the great support that we have for the animals um, and get that out in the broadest sense, I think the better it is for the business. And I, I think people 
can appreciate how much love um, how much love there is around here. Yeah, I think I think you made a a a great couple of points, and I love the one to one dynamic. Like it's up to all of us in the industry um, to make those connections, to invite people out to the track, to show them. Uh, what we actually do and what we love about this sport. And I think that's really important. I think that's smart. Um, Michelle, what, what you have a question. Gre- yeah, well, Greg said he's out here every morning. I want to know what horse he has right now. Oh, sure. You're looking for info. Okay, I got, I got two horses out here with uh, my man, Michael McCarthy. Um, I'll give him a little plug because he's outstanding. We had Bo um, last week, so we've heard all kinds of great things about Michael McCarthy. <laughs> right, right. This is this is Michael's couple of weeks, right? This is yeah. Um, yeah, this is big fair, for him. He was very kind to me and let me into his barn all Breeders' Cup weeks. So it was all good karma paying back. Awesome, yeah. And you know, it's funny. You guys asked me too about you know um, the process of owning horses. I'm going to jump around for a second, but I don't, Billy. You might not even remember this. I walked up to the when we had just bred a horse, and I was looking for the first trainer we had. I actually walked up to you. So my dad, my dad said two trainers his whole life. Um, and he still, you know, had, he, he works with Dave Hoffman. Um, I've known Dave obviously since I was a little kid. And as I was looking for a trainer, I, I talked to you, Billy, and I yep. said, Hey, you know, I want somebody kind of young that I can grow with. Um, and you gave me a couple names and then I obviously met Michael and I, I'd known him a little bit before, but that was a fun process, like talking to these guys and getting to know their styles and their processes. Um, and it's one of the really fun parts about horse ownership is, 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 is developing those connections with the trainer because it's such a critical relationship. Um, what do you think are the, 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 what are the, what are the two things, two top things that led you to Michael over say Dave Hoffman's or any other younger trainer well, that Billy might have suggested? I, I, with Dave, Dave and I, I love Dave and I said, I said, I just want somebody my age who I'm going to grow with. Right. So that right. my loyalty will always be to Dave. He's, he's terrific. Um, I, um, as it related to Michael, I was looking for somebody young who I thought was really talented. I know that he had worked for Todd. Um, I'd heard great things about him, but when I met him, it was really, you know, care for the horse and communication with the owner. I said, I just want you to be completely upfront and transparent every step of the way. If the horse has an issue, I need to know. If the horse is great, I need to know. If the horse is not great, none of this hurts me because all the information is positive. It, it, you know, the truth is a positive thing and we can adjust and figure out how to do that. So I knew that he was totally straightforward mm-hmm. um, and I knew he was going to take the best care of the horses he could because I went to his barn and I was just blown away. So th- th- those were the major considerations. Plus, I liked the guy. Sure. Which, <laughs> which, yeah, which helped, no, that helps. Right? You're going to spend a yeah. lot of time with these people. We've talked about this before on the show, Michelle. And and I love the fact that you you went out and met people. We tell, all the t- we tell uh, new owners all the time. Go out and talk to these guys. These guys want new clients. I mean, we're starving for new owners. And so go out mm-hmm. and meet these guys and, and find out who you click yeah. with. And I think that's exactly what Greg did. And it's obviously it's been successful. So uh, kudos to you. Uh, Billy, you yeah. told me to do that, Billy. Um, and I was a genius and, and before the podcast I, even started. You, you were. <laughs> you absolutely were. It's funny because I remember I, I was talking, I think it was you and Gary and your sister were there. And it was just a random afternoon that I came up there. Um, but I think, you know, we talk about some of the traditions that we need to unwind. I think I was even nervous. Like, you know, here I am. I've grown up around. I know a lot of these guys, but I felt 
like, oh, there's always this sort of sacrosanct relationship between trainers and owners. And, and maybe I'd, I, I shouldn't have the audacity to go interview these guys because who knows if I even have a good horse. But like you said, it, it, you know, they need owners. We need them. There's a great symbiotic relationship. And I think there are so many um, trainers out there who would be amenable to those types of conversations. Um, and I, frankly, I didn't, I didn't think that until like you and other people pushed me to do it. You know, interesting you say that. Oh, look yeah. at you, Billy. Well, thank you. You know, Michelle, this has been obviously my favorite show. This is the most compliments <laughs> I've ever had. Usually Michelle just rips today. on me the whole time. But important note that you said, and that is full transparency. And I think if you go into it with that and you let that trainer know, hey, this is how it's going to run. You're going to tell me everything. I can take it. We're big boys. If you're in this game, put your big boy pants on. Because there's going to be a lot more yeah. bad news than there is good news. And and if your trainer knows that you can take it, you're going to have a great relationship. That's yeah, my, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. That's my soapbox Obviously, for the day. All right, tell us tell us one more thing. Um, um, uh, 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 give someone else some advice. You've gone through all this uh, years and years of, of being in the industry as an owner. Now you're really in the industry as an executive at Santa Anita. Um, uh, but give a new owner some advice. Give them the one piece of advice that that you need that needs to be done before they get into ownership. <laughs> Don't do it. No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> be patient. That was the wrong I, advice. I, no, of course I'm totally joking. It's it's about patience, right? You're doing this because you love the sport and you love the animals, and I think it's about being patient and understanding. Um, you know, with us. It took us, we, we were lucky because our, our first horse won in second race, but the next one was this in the mischief that we were incredibly excited about who as a yearling was the most gorgeous thing I'd ever seen in my life. And then, you know, she didn't grow. <laughs> and I think <laughs> it took us a couple more years and, you know, we have a filly now who she's won three races um, as a, as a three-year-old. And that, it was a really fun year. And it was one of the most gratifying years because we bred her, we, took our time. We had a lot of down, but this year was really fun. Um, and she actually just came back to the track, uh, two weeks ago. So that, that having the patience and knowing that, um, you're going to get your opportunity and that you're doing right by the horses and the people who are around that. I think it's really hard when money is on the line and, um, when we're excited to, um, to get involved and have some action, it's hard to be patient, but, being patient personally, um, you know, with your pocketbook even, and then <laughs> your expectations is really, it's, it's important. And, you know, like I think you, you guys learned the same lesson. I mean, it was, you had, you know, horses and good horses, and then you popped and you had Singletary. And I think, I don't yep. know how many years into the Little Red Feather was that, three, four? Uh, it was actually under the Little Red Feather banner. It was the second horse we ever bought. Was he really? <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you patient just uh by no. the yeah but it's 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 listen it's michelle and i talk about it every week how hard this game is and i think the one thing you said that i've hear over and over again and that we constantly say is do good by the horse and the horse will do good by you and i think that's that's a great yeah. thing to kind of leave it with greg colvin thank you so much for your time we wish you the best of luck in your new endeavor at santa anita we will see you out there starting the day after christmas on santa anita's opening day and uh again we really appreciate you coming on it was a lot of fun yeah, I had a blast. Thanks. And um, Michelle, I'm sorry I actually kept this professional. Normally I would have tried to bust on uh, 
sucked on Billy, but it sounds like you yeah, did that last I time. I actually <laughs> I only brought you on. I actually knew you guys were friends, and I was really hoping to hear some like you know, major Michelle, smack talking, especially because Billy's turning fifty tomorrow. Fifth, no, fifty-two. Fifty, not sixty. I, I, that is the reason I came on because Billy's birthday is tomorrow. Right. Well, happy birthday! Happy, buddy. Birthday, uh, happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you. you. Oh, thank you. This is. Oh, by the way, we're, we put this out tomorrow, so it's actually going to be my birthday oh, when today. this is up. Wednesday. Yeah, Greg, go be good and, and keep up the good work. We're we're counting on you. Thanks, guys. All thank right. you, Greg. Thank Greg Colvin here right, thanks, on guys. the Owners Box. We'll be right back. Adelphi Racing Club is the club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being part of something bigger than themselves. It's truly a community. We hear that so many times with these fantastic racing clubs. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates as well as on their own. So they love to blend the benefits of sole ownership with the thrill of partnership experience. They offer an interactive ownership experience with real-time access to their partners, trainers, bloodstock advisors, other members of the team as well, including frequent multimedia content on their horses, including videos, photos, and a partners-only podcast content. I think we're going to find that right here. Uh, Adelphi has also an exciting class of yearling prospects, which are available now, including Salevo, who's named after the wonderful restaurant in Saratoga that we all ate at this year, a street sense Philly, and also an unnamed Taprit Colt, who is bred to be a two-turn horse. So if you're interested, join the club. It's Adelphi, A-D-E-L-P-H-I racing.com. Michelle, I have some great news for you. Oh, you do? Tell yeah. me. Yeah. Michelle, do you know who won the Breeders' Cup Classic? I know who won the Breeders' Cup Classic. Who it was it? was Nick's Go. Nick's Go. Guess where he's standing next year, Michelle? Taylor Made <laughs> got that right. Nick's go oh, will stand at Taylor Made so next year. He's going to start at thirty thousand dollars. This big gray son of painter is, was the most likely to be horse of the year. Uh, dominated the Breeders' Cup Classic amongst many other Grade One races this year, including the uh, Whitney. Um, I think he won. He won the Grade Three Lucas. He won so many races. I can't even count them. Uh, Nick's go will stand next year at TaylorMade. Mm-hmm. All right, back here on the owner's box. Michelle, just another brilliant idea bringing Greg Colvin on. He was so good. I've known, like I said, I've known Greg uh I'm shocked so long. that you guys knew each other. Oh, really? Yeah, I had no idea. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, no, no, no. His, his, his dad is great. He, Dick Colvin is the man, and he was a, an unbelievable coach. Really, you know, there's certain coaches, and I'm sure you, you played sports when you were a kid, right? Cheerleading. Yeah, cheerleading. Well, you, you sure you have certain coaches that you remember and others that you don't, right? They're 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 memorable because they they not only they teach you sports, but they teach you how to kind of be more mature or be a leader. And I, I took a lot of leadership roles, and I guys like Dick Colvin, they were really influencers in in my life personally. And so, uh, you know, it, but it's funny because I almost called him Jeff like five times because I was friendly with his older brother Jeff, and Greg was younger, <laughs> so he was just a little kid, um, you know, running around. So it's, uh, but you know, I'm, the things he said, he, he's he's very bright as you can tell, and uh, what he was saying about the use so of technology and messaging, yeah, he just loves the game, and I think he's in a great spot, especially with everything that uh, Santa Anita is trying to do and um, the the Stronic Group with Aiden at the helm. Um, so I look forward to some of these these new uh, innovations 
and uh, we'll see what the future has in store. Uh, great guest, Michelle. Awesome. Really, really fun. Thank you. Um, so let's do three things of note real quick. Yeah. Uh, first thing I want to say, Rock Your World has been retired. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I mean, uh, they didn't. They didn't specifically say he has an injury or anything. So unless he's injured, I kind of wanted to see him maybe run a little bit more. I know they don't think he ran great in the Twilight Derby. Obviously, he had speed and then faded, but he is bred so beautifully. He is a Grade One winner. But I would have liked to see him just try a little more. I mean, how many races did he have? Not many. I mean, after the Sandy Sandy Derby was only like his third or fourth start, I believe. Right. And then he, right. then he ran and in the then, Kentucky Derby. Then he ran in the Belmont, I think. Right? And then he came back this yeah, this summer. In, in the Twilight. I think he ran in the Del Mar Derby, no? Did he skip that? Didn't remember. he skip it just from the Twilight? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. I don't remember. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things that we've talked about that, that sometimes, unfortunately, the breeding industry runs the racing industry. So a horse like Rock Your World, who might have been a really, really good four-year-old as he got bigger, stronger, more mature, uh, we're not going to get to see that chance. So, But we wish all the best to our good friend, Costa Horonis. Uh, and Rock Your World And he's going to be stand standing at Spendthrift. At Spendthrift. And there you go. $10,000. Okay. What else you got? For him. Um, also, we saw Bob Baffert uh, reestablish himself at the top of the trainer standings with the Paris Stakes victories this weekend with Ida winning the Desi Arnaz and with Messier winning the Bob Hope. Also, Flavien Pratt getting his 75th career stakes win at Del Mar, which puts him on the leaderboard there. He's starting, to, fig- he's starting to figure it out. When he figures it <laughs> out, so he's going to be pretty he's good, Pratt. Learning how to ride. Yeah. All right. Um, I thought Messier was... Uh... Very impressive. I know uh, I, I talked to Baffert about that horse, and I know he loved him that day, even though he drew the rail. And um, Very, very talented horse, and I think we're going to see big things from him in his three-year-old year. Ida, uh, it's funny, I, I was actually with Baffert yesterday morning, and he told me that he wasn't even going to run her there. Um, she had just won the stake at uh, Santa Anita, and I guess the owners, I think it's Susan Chu, I believe, um, said, hey, we're in town, or we just want to see her run one more time. And he was like, okay, let's just let's just run. Anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's nice, right? I wish that happened to me. It never happens to me like that. Does it happen to you like She's that? She's the best. Yeah. Uh, no, obviously not. She's great, though. I really like her. Yeah, and cool. glad it worked out for them. So that was very uh, exciting. What else you got? And, it's kind of a quiet time uh, right now. I feel like it's the calm before the storm. Time. I think, uh, feel like know, we have I... one big weekend coming up, the, the Turf Festival. You know, not this weekend, but the next weekend, which is going to be awesome. Yes. Hollywood Derby, Seabiscuit, Jimmy Durante. Hollywood um, Turf and the, Cup. And the two-year-old. Matriarch. Yeah, yeah Matriarch. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yep. Um, that There's that that next weekend. And I think everyone, as soon as we're done with this, turn their attention instantly to uh, Pegasus, which is like our next big date, right? Right. Um, where life is good. Nick's go, who's been actually at TaylorMade showing off for his potential breeders. That is kind of funny. I, I didn't They're realize gonna... that, that he still might run in there. And But he's, is he going to breed? He's not going to breed now. They're going to try to sneak no, no, one no. in, right? Little... No, but they might be like teaching him a little bit, right? He might How be there that, and jumping Michelle? on some. How do they teach someone to do so... that? <laughs> Are you being facetious? No, I just want to, I just want to hear you how to teach a horse how to have sex. Well, I mean, 
here's the thing, right? They, they, they know how to have sex once they start to do it, but right. the finesse of it, like knowing when a mare is going to be receptive and willing is definitely a learning curve. So it's Obviously, basically like men and women. Ex- it's basically the same. Yeah. Yeah. They the want it to be like, a, go, a like, good experience too. Are, are there mares like who just walk by and go, Hey, Nick's go, you're pretty handsome. Yeah, well, what they do is they always have the mare in and then it, they bring a teaser over, right? Like a yes. horse that is never going to be bred to them. So he can make sure the mare is ready to go. And the stallionist has to come in and do the duty. Yeah, um, the but, you know, to to teach the stallion, like, how to hold on to the mare, where to grab her, how to mount, what direction to face. All of that is a learning experience. So they bring in barren mares that, that have been spayed. Um, and so they let them practice and like yeah. hop up on there and, and see what they're doing. Which, is that how you, you talk know, to Ryan? That... Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> Did, when you guys were first courting each other, was this the kind of conversation you had or no? Like you no, kind of taught him things. Explain how horses uh, mate. No, not well. Ryan. I wasn't talking about horses. Oh, um, this conversation has gone completely off the rails, Billy. <laughs> the I, I do, I do remember though. It is my birthday. At, don't forget. It is. Uh, I do remember when I was at Coolmore, them telling me that Thunder Gulch. Um, I'm ninety nine percent sure this is Thunder Gulch. When he was learning to breed to mares, uh, didn't get his mares rotated, and so he only bred to like this one paint mare. Well, then when they brought him in to breed, he like looked at the mare and was like, hey, what's going on? But had no idea he was supposed to breed her because he's only bred to a paint mare. It was like That's a bay awesome. mare standing there. So, oh, so he's just like, like, hey, oh, hey, where's, where's my girl? Stuff. He's like, where's my yeah. girl? So what they, they did was they brought the paint mare in to the corner and like let him sniff her. And then when he thought he was mounting her, they like, when he was up in the air, they pushed him right. onto the mare he was supposed to be breeding. Uh, and bait, they slowly that was and weaned him away. Bait and yeah, switch. Yeah, the bait and switch. And they slowly weaned him off of this big mare, the of the of the paint mare. But the the best part is, is they said that uh, <laughs> like they had her in the corner, like you know. And sometimes he would be like mating with the mare he was supposed to be, and like he was staring at the <laughs> paint mare. <laughs> Did you snort again? This is the best show we've ever had. There are people in their cars I... right now just laughing, for sure. Like he's just like winking at the other. <laughs> Like, Did sorry. I ever tell you my movie idea? Know. If there are any movie producers listening, I always wanted to do a story they, about... They've turned out by now. <laughs> no, I always wanted to do a story about a teaser pony. And I thought it would maybe it would be animated. A teaser pony that fell in love with a mare and accidentally got her pregnant. But they thought it was like the big stallion. But he came out like just completely crooked. And he was, you know, looked terrible. And the, the, the owners just kind of like gave him away. But it turned out it was the teaser pony's, you know, son. And he ended up obviously like, you know, winning the Kentucky Derby or something. I thought it would be just such a fun story. Like oh. maybe they've done that. It was kinda of, I guess they kinda of did it with zebra stripes. Was stripe zebra stripes? Something Racing like that. stripes. Racing stripes. When he Racing came out as a zebra. Is it was it like that? I don't remember mm-hmm. the story of it. I didn't watch that movie. Okay. All right. I know the movie, but I didn't watch it. Um, special thanks to all of our sponsors, TaylorMade Stallions, Adelphi, Adelphi. We're not, Michelle's not a hundred percent sure. Racing club, uh, in the I'll money media. We're going to have him on as a guest. Delmar. Okay, great. Delmar, uh, uh, Santa Anita, all these, uh, all these amazing companies that support our show and all of our listeners. We really appreciate it. We had a, I had a call today from a guy who listens to our show, Michelle, and he was like, Hey, how do I get involved? What am I doing? 
So we had a nice talk, like it. and it's really great when everybody reaches out. Billy at littleredfeather.com. You can reach us at Twitter, at Horse at the Michelle U, at BKLRF. We will put the show up. Also, just want to yeah. mention real quick, Billy, if Go. you do come out to the races this weekend, as Del Mar is continuing on, we do have stakes racing, the Native Diver Stakes, and the Cary Grant. It's also Taste the Turf Club, but most importantly, it's Toys for Tots this weekend. Um, so if you can bring a new unwrapped toy or a monetary donation, um, you get free race track admission with that. Obviously, you're doing something good for the kids. So if you are in the vicinity and you're coming by, think about maybe doing that as well so we can make some kids happy this holiday season. Michelle, that is such a good thing. I want everybody who's out there to bring something. I'm going to bring something. What are you going to get? What are you doing for me tomorrow for my birthday? I or today. Tell people that. Oh, we're keeping it secret. I want to keep it secret. It's a secret. All right, secret. It's a secret. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Greg Colvin, for coming on today. And uh, Michelle, great job with the guest. Great job with the show, Michelle. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll be back next week to do a. Why don't we do a little? We'll have a little preview of the Turf Festival at Del Mar. That'll be fun. Sounds know? good. All right, we'll do that. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everyone.